Defunding the Police During the Rise of the Corporatocracy. The Fedora Crocodiles Radio Show for June 15th, 2020. Jason Cousin, O&I, Eric Render Kingfisk, rant about the current demands for defunding the police. Sealed Jeffrey Epstein records. Carol Baskin's dead husband's will turns out to be a forgery. And another mysterious radio burst from a galaxy far, far away. And an update on a recent episode of True Crime One-on-One. Sarah Turney's sister's killer is being charged for the crime. The Fedora Chronicles is brought to you by our patrons on patreon.com slash Fedora Chronicles. For a mere dollar a month, you get early access to new episodes of the Fedora Chronicles radio show with show notes, a peek behind the scenes, and more. Zazzle.com slash store slash Fedora Chronicles is where you can purchase t-shirts, coffee mugs, and more with our logo and slogans right on them. 12.5% of every sale goes directly into keeping this podcast and our website on the air. This is the Fedora Chronicles radio show with pop culture and current events through the perspective of classic film snobs and diesel punks. With topics ranging from true crime, government conspiracies and cover-ups, and the paranormal. You can now listen to our podcast on SoundCloud, Apple iTunes, Player FM, Overcast, Stitcher, Spotify, and on Google Play on Android devices. If your favorite podcast service doesn't have the Fedora Chronicles radio show on it, let us know and we'll fix it right away. Once again, this is Jay Cousineau and I, Eric Render King Fisk. Thank you for listening and enjoy the show. The Minneapolis Police Department is talking about getting rid of the police. New York City now is talking about um, defunding the police. Seattle has yeah. lost. The police just abdicated. They fucking left, basically, is what happened in Seattle. They left, according to Tim Poole's uh, podcast that I heard about a day or so ago, what they actually did was they just conceded and they abandoned like a six-city block. They abandoned just one precinct in Seattle. Yeah, which, I mean, Tim Poole, correct me if I'm wrong, isn't he left-leaning? You know, that's the funny thing. He says he's left-leaning, but because of everything that's been going on lately, um, he, there's no way he's voting for Biden. That's what he said on his own show. I'm not trying to put words in his mouth. Well, no, I mean, you can be left-leaning and not like Joe Biden. I mean, it's just how it is. Right. Um, I know plenty of people who are left-leaning that don't like Joe Biden. I mean, it's just whatever but i don't know man it just it uh, this whole thing to me just stinks to high heaven it just you know yeah it just feels like the entire country is falling apart to be honest with you well yeah but i don't it doesn't seem to me that it's falling apart for any valid reason right you know it seems like well first of all we had the who come out Earlier this year, the world with another Hel- album. What? I mean, no, not, not. <laughs> I was going to stop there. The World Health Organization, <laughs> the World Health Organization came out earlier this week and basically said, "Yeah, there's um, there's no indicate. We don't have any proof that people can transmit COVID. If they're don't, not showing symptoms, then they can't transmit COVID." Right. And the, the press in the United States collectively stood up and basically said, so you're telling us we've trashed our economy for no fucking reason whatsoever. Yeah. And then I think it was Wednesday, Tuesday or Wednesday, they walked that back and were like, no, 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 that's not what we're saying. What we're saying is, yeah, that's what we're saying. <laughs> Shit. Right? Yeah. And you've got all of the shit going on with these riots. And you and I have been, I think, rather clear 
in stating that there's a difference between the protests and the riots. Right. We actually did an entire episode on that. Right. So with the protests, valid, extremely valid conversation needs to happen. That's gotta, that's gotta happen. Also, we need to have that discussion in a frank, honest and open manner. You know, the, the videos of, of Black Lives Matter throwing a picnic for the, with the police and talking to them. Awesome. Great. Fantastic. Got these rioters running around. I don't think any of them are associated with Black Lives Matter. They're statistically, there's probably a few who say Black Lives Matter, but that doesn't mean they're actually part of the movement. But, you know, who are just going through and just they're anarchists. That is Antifa. And you've got these these cities that are talking about doing away with police. Okay, so you're talking about a fundamental sea change in our entire legal system. Getting rid of the police is no different than getting rid of lawyers or judges. How is our legal system going to continue to exist? And some of these people will tell you, well, that's the problem is we have systemic racism. And I've said this on in conversation with friends and I want to reiterate it here on the podcast. To me, we do not have systemic racism. And when I say that, I want to be clear. There is nothing in the system There are no established rules or laws that are written down to say if a white person commits a crime, they get three to five years. If a Hispanic person commits a crime, they get five to ten. If an Asian commits a crime, well, Asians don't commit crimes. And black people, if they commit a crime, they get 10 to 20 years. That is not a law. That is not a process. That is not an established procedure anywhere within the United States. Dr. Martin Luther King and the civil rights movement of the 1950s, early 60s, got rid of that. They eliminated that, right? Um, that's So we do not really have systemic racism. What we have is endemic racism, which means we've still got a lot of bigoted racist assholes yeah. in our system. And the way the laws are written is a judge can assign someone a range of punishment. So if you commit a crime, you can get anywhere from five to 20 years on that crime. Endemic racism is a judge who consistently gives closer to the five years to white people and closer to the 20 years for black people. Yes. There is a difference. The difference between the two is you can rewrite the processes. You can rewrite the laws and you can get rid of that. But when it comes to endemic racism, you've got to find the bad eggs and get rid of them. And they know that they're going to get be gotten rid of. So they're going to do what they can to hide it. It's going to be not obvious that you just look at them and go, oh, look, anytime it's a black person, they get. No, they're going to do it whenever they can feasibly get away with it. And that's the problem. And that is exactly the problem. You've got people like this asshole in Minneapolis. Tillman's words, Jack. I know, right? I need to start speaking my mind more. That's what my therapist tells me. Right. You know, but. I've also heard that if your bottle of rum is talking to you, you probably shouldn't listen. Yeah. But, you know, you got this racist asshole in Minneapolis who apparently had a history of being at least, at the very least, uh, overly aggressive. Ten. He had ten, quote, violations or claims right. against him. Right. Claims against him. And I'm being as generous as possible to the man when I say overly aggressive. He's a racist bigot. He enjoyed beating up black people. And what he did was commit murder. That's that's the honest truth of what it is. That's the bold faced truth, you know. But the police are not the problem in that case. He's the problem. However, 
Also, the police who just ignored what was going on, they were just bystanders. And they didn't stop and say, hey, you're killing him, man. They did, the, the, you know, right. you, you have a problem. Yeah, you have the black, you have the bad cops and then you have their accomplices or the or the, the ineffectual cops who just turned now, a blind eye to what the awful cops are doing. Wasn't he a more senior member of the police force? I believe he was. And I believe, if I remember correctly, reading some of the tweets from the council members, the city council members of Minneapolis, they said they've been fighting problems within the police force in terms of corruption, incompetence, nepotism, all of that. Yep. They've been trying to fight that for decades, right? So to them, they're like, we need to wipe the slate clean and start all over, right? Now, they're calling it a eliminating the police force and reinstituting whatever they want to call it. You can call it the city guard. You can call it the peacekeeping forces, whatever you want to call it. In our society, the way the laws are written, system works, is you still have to have someone with the power to arrest. You still have to have someone who can put people in jail. You still have to have someone who is enforcing the laws, right? You need that in society. You just need it because it's not like getting rid of the police is going to eliminate crime. People are still going to be getting things stolen from them. You're still going to have spouses abusing spouses. You're still going to have people abusing drugs. You're going to have people driving Trump. And who's going to do something about it if you do not have the police? Oh, we're going to have a new a new force. We're going to have this thing. Okay, well, we need to have some details on that and tell me how what they're going to do is different from policing. You can't. You can't, you just can't, because the thing is, eventually, whatever it is you do, eventually, you're going to have the same problems all over again. Because, right. you know, and many other podcasters, including people like Jimmy Dore and, and Tim Poole, have said that with all of their run-ins with the police, and Jimmy Dore even came out and, and he said, you know, his friend, his friend, he has... He has friends and family in Chicago who are police officers, so he knows what he's talking about. That kind of job attracts a certain kind of people who are just authoritarians, and they yeah. want to have a job where they can... Oh, and I, and, I, and I knew a cop who got a hard-on for this folding baton that he had, and he, he said that he just could not wait for the first opportunity to use it. There are cops out... There are people who become cops because they like the idea of putting on a uniform and beating the so fuck out of people. Is that is that the extending baton? That's the extending baton. That's exactly we what use he those. Had. When I was in the Coast Guard, we used those. Basically, so the audience, anyone who doesn't know, it's a baton that when it's compacted, it's like maybe five, six inches long, right? And then it's spring-loaded so that you, when you activate it, it's three pieces of metal with a little like metal ball at the end of it, maybe the size of your average dice and it's spring loaded. So it pops out and it turns into basically a, an 18 inch long baton that you can just wail the crap out of people with. You've seen them in movies and stuff yep. like that. They're like small maces. Basically they hurt like fuck when you get hit. How do I know? Because that I've been hit by them. Very least they, you, when done a, I don't want to say appropriately because you're not supposed to do that. But if you if you want to and you swing hard enough, you can break bones with that quite easily. Right. There are people out there who enjoy the idea of having a license to use those when the opportunity arises. You have people who like the idea of putting on a uniform, pulling people over and issuing them tickets and, in, and imposing their will 
on people and selectively enforcing the laws on people, depending on how you treat them. Yeah. Um, as long as it's yes sir, no sir, and you're respectful, and they're not racist and you're not black. Yeah. Yeah. Again, I'm not saying that there's no racism in the process. I want to be clear on that. I just think we need to be clear on our terms because they have different solutions. It's not systemic. It's endemic. There's a difference between the two. One is a lot messier, and that's the state we're in right now. I don't think getting rid of the police is getting rid of it because, as you stated, sooner or later you're going to end up right the hell where you started from. What are you going to do with this peacekeeping force that is going to be different than the police? Other than having different faces behind the badge, what are you going to do? How are you going to prevent that from happening with this new thing when what they do still needs to happen? You know, the, that process needs to be initiated. The police are the front line of law enforcement. They are law enforcement. Then you've got cops and then you, I mean, then you've got lawyers and judges, and, you know, I mean, what I don't know. I, I don't know how you fix this problem, but I don't think that disbanding the police altogether wholesale in certain urban areas is the right thing to do. I think that it's it's a couple of steps way too far when we haven't even tried, or these municipalities have not tried to get rid of the bad cops. One of the things that I had heard is that um, in Los Angeles, the 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 police commis- commissioner and the police labor union dictates to the mayor how they're going to operate, how they're going to work, and what laws they're going to enforce. Um, And they're actually more in charge of the city than the actual mayor. I don't know how true that is, but it does sound pretty scary. It almost sounds like a fascist police state. Whereas the police police dictate to the mayor how the police are going to operate. And and they're saying that's what exists in in Minneapolis? No, that's what exists in Los Angeles. I don't know if I was clear on that or not. Oh, no, it could have been me. Um, I don't know. I just that doesn't that doesn't seem accurate. And unfortunately, when it comes to Los Angeles, I have a tendency to be very skeptical of when people within the city government say something like that, because, first of all, L.A.'s police has a horrible history. I find it hard to believe that in a city like L.A., with the history that the LAPD has, that people are going to be so, I don't want to say blasé, but I just don't think that's going to fly. You know, what it boils down to is the chief of police reports to somebody. Usually it's some sort of committee or council that then reports to the city council. So if they have a problem with the chief of police, all they have to do is fire his ass. Jay, I'm just telling you. I, I'm just, yeah. I'm just telling you what I heard. That in many instances, it sounds like the police are actually more in charge of running the town, yes. running the city, than the actual mayor. Yeah, I'm, I, I believe that's what you heard. I just, I don't know that that makes sense. I mean, I imagine that's what the city council wants everyone to think. But the truth is, is they're probably just happy as long as crimes down. They don't give a shit. Right. They don't want to deal with them because guilt by association and all that shit. I, I just I don't know like if a cop gets fired for bad behavior again from what I understood if a cop gets fired for bad behavior the the police union can say no no he didn't do anything wrong you're gonna rehire him and then they rehire him because he has seniority within the police department there's other incidences like that that I have I have heard and I've been listening to a lot of other people talking about this and it does seem to me as if it is sort of like the, 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 the dog is being wagged by the tail. And, that, and we have talked about this on the podcast 
where we have instances of the police being militarized. Perfect. Ex- oh, yeah. Perfect example is um, north of where we are in Keene, New Hampshire. There was it wasn't a, it, it, there was some rowdy people like they had like I think it was alumni weekend. And there were um, and there were a couple of frat houses who were having reunions at the same Saturday as the Keene Pumpkin Festival, and these people got drunk. They were obnoxious, and the the Keene Police Department released the police dressed in riot gear. And apparently there was a sighting. I don't know how true this is or not, and I hope I'm just misremembering this. Um, they dis- they also dispatched one of the assault vehicles that they had. You know, like one of those army trucks with the six wheel, the big giant wheels with the sloped hood um, and the yeah. bulletproof glass. Kind of like looks like something out of like like Damnation Alley. You know. <laughs> yeah. And it and it looked terrifying. And I, you know, when you see pictures of this, Keen, Keen, New Hampshire has that. Keen, New Hampshire apparently had this. And, and what was what was just like a, so a couple of obnoxious, drunk fraternity brothers playing pranks and being obnoxious turned into a riot. It's one of the reasons why um, Keene doesn't have um, the Pumpkin Festival anymore. They've disbanded that. They're not having it anymore because of this one incident. I think that militarizing the police isn't making things better. I think it's get, making things worse militarizing the police giving police surplus army and marine right. material and now, supplies now look, is a bad idea and and you and i privately have had this discussion before and i completely agree with you but so so we're having as complete knowledge as possible um in discussions that we've had we've mentioned that that's something that has been stepped up since 9-11 oh I, uh, since yeah the, since the attacks and it's been done in an effort to make people feel more secure, right? Yeah. Or at least that's what we believe anyhow. We have no, no one's ever said, we need to do this for this reason. Um, yeah, it's just a bad idea to militarize the police. It really is. Um, on the other hand, though, I'll tell you what, if they're going to get rid of the police in my, in my area, I mean, I live in a low crime area. It's called Utah. You know, the state of Utah is generally lower crime than most of the rest of the country especially the further you get away from the density, the dense population areas, okay? Um, so these people want to get rid of the police and get rid of guns? Because that seems they seem to be on the same side. Those two camps seem to be the same people, right? So what yeah. are we supposed to do? I don't know if there's... Well, how any- are we supposed to defend ourselves? If Antifa comes knocking on my door, killing me because I'm a racist because, you know, I'm, I live in Utah, so obviously I'm a Republican. You know, if they come to my door claiming that I'm a fascist and they want to beat the fuck out of me, what am I supposed to do? Let them ha- let it happen. You know, you're right, guys. I'm sorry. Go ahead. Kick my ass. Exactly. Hell no, that's not. I'm not going to let that happen. I think Seattle's wrong in giving up their area. Um, I think what's going to, what we're going to see happen is bad things are going to happen in that area. And it's going to be a mob rule. I think for a while, everything's going to be fine. Antifa's not going to push anything. But people are people. People are corrupted by power. And if there's no police, whoever's got the biggest fucking bat or the most guns has the power. Yeah. Seattle is an anti-gun city in a pro-gun state. I don't know that 
area of Seattle. I don't know what six blocks it is that that, that is. I've been to Seattle several times, but I'm not intimately familiar with it. It seems to me that someone somewhere is going to do something, and then they're going to need policing. Someone's going to get raped. The store's going to get broken into. Something's going to happen. And then what? And Keith is supposed to step up? I don't know. I don't, I don't know. I don't know if Antifa is the answer. And, and I'm pretty sure they're not. <laughs> just just to put all my cards on the table, I'm pretty sure they're not. And then you have the various reports saying, "Oh, Antifa, there's Antifa is the cause of all the violence." And you see people, you know, um, tackling somebody yeah, from do you Antifa. Trust those reports? Well, I was about, and I was about to say, and then you have the other reports saying that um, there are white supremacists posing as Antifa protesters or rioters right. and you can't Funny how those aren't just dismissed out of hand as just crazy conspiracy theory because let's face it most bigots aren't all that bright yeah most racists are not all that intelligent so the idea of hey let's go undercover is one of them that are anti yeah no i don't i don't know i don't know what to say and and here's the thing if you in certain circles if you say anything negative about antifa if you say antifa are terrorists Antifa is a terrorist group. So you are going to have people come down on you on social media, saying, "What part of what part do you not understand? Antifa is anti-fascist. That's what the name means. Antifa is anti-fascist. How can you say that Antifa is fascists when they when the, the name is actually anti-fascists? I don't understand that. People will come well, down on you. I don't, yeah, yeah, I understand that. But what it boils down to is they're anarchists. You know, I mean, fascism is as it's been applied in our history, not necessarily what the strict book definition is, is basically a very strong, strict authoritarian government. That's what a fascist government is, right? Am I wrong? No, well, it, it, it depends on who you ask, and we actually had this conversation. Um, yeah. You know, before before we move on to what it is, one of the things that we wanted to talk about, um, yeah. I, I think that uh, reducing the police budget and de- Demilitarizing the police, undemilitarizing the police, is probably a good idea. Have a separation of the police and the military. You know, stop giving the military all of these tanks, all of this these army navy surplus. Stop giving them like tactical assault vehicles. You know, stop prepping the police for World War Three. If if that's what they mean when they say defunding then I'm all for it. But right. They're talking about defunding as in, you know, police got to hold bake sales in order to be able to pay for their salaries. Then no, I'm against that. Yeah. Police, right or wrong, they fulfill a, a needed, necessary role in our society. Because the same... Whether you like it or not. Because yeah. some of the same people who are telling me that we need to defund the police on social media are some of the same people who told me that I don't need a gun because the police are only a phone call away. And exactly. I don't, we don't need we don't need guns because we have the police to protect us. Right. That's that's been their whole argument for at least the last 20 years when I've been talking about the Second Amendment. You don't need right. you don't need a gun because we have the police that are here to protect us. Right. Well, now you want to get rid of the police. So what exactly is it you want people to do? And then you hear the gun sales are up by 200 some odd percent. And right. first time gun owners have in, have in have grown exponentially in inner cities in in the areas where they have historically been very anti-gun suddenly they want to buy a gun and they're getting pissed off 
what? What do you mean I got to wait 10 days before I bring it home? And then you've got all the gun folks. I'm like the, the pro Second Amendment guys going, yeah, sucks, don't it? Yeah. Kind of sucks. Pay your, put your money down. Got to jump through all these stupid fucking hoops and then you can't even bring it home with you that day. Sucks. Yeah. Sucks to be you, huh? You know, it just, it drives me nuts. It, it does. I get, because people talk in circles. I don't care if you're right wing, left wing, whatever. When it comes to politics, a lot of times we have these, these ideas, these, these things in our head that were, that were for, and, and a lot of times they contradict each other, right? Yeah. One of the things that I've seen consistently labeled against people who are anti-abortion is, well, are you pro-death penalty? Because if you care about life, you can't be pro-death penalty in anti-abortion because that's a hypocrisy. And it's true. There you is. You can justify it all you want, but if you're saying you don't want an innocent baby killed, but it's okay to kill a criminal, at some point you're making the decision that it is possible that a life is not worth living, right? Yeah. You know, that's a logical inconsistency and that's on people that usually I agree with, but it's just a fact of life. You, you need to resolve that, you know? And on the left, it's, well, you don't need, we have police, so you don't need to have a gun. And now we need to get rid of the police because the police are all racist assholes. Okay. So now we have criminals who are going to say, oh, look, no police. Woohoo! I can do whatever the fuck I want. Yeah. Going to go into my home without a, with, when they have a gun, it, even without police, they don't even necessarily need to have a gun. All they need to do is just have a big baseball bat. What's going to happen? We're I, just, gonna, I don't understand the thinking. We're, we're going to find out real quick, aren't we? Well, I tell you what, all eyes are going to be on those six blocks in Seattle. And if this does not terrify you, I don't know what will. The idea that suddenly there's going to be like literally lawlessness. There's going to be lawlessness in, and, and we're going to see what happens. We're going to see, you know, how these cities or how these regions within the city handle violence. How do they handle? Well, just crime in general. Yeah. Even, even not violence. Just imagine... Within those city blocks, I guarantee you there's a business. It's a fucking city. You can't walk anywhere without running into some business of some sort if you're in a deep, densely populated area. Yeah. What's going to happen when one of them gets broken into? Well, I'm sure that that's happened already. I'm sure it has too. Funny how that's not being reported by the press. Yeah, it's sort of funny how the press is sort of letting us down. And it, well, yeah. It seems funny. I mean, it, yeah. It, it also, wasn't that one of the consequences that was outlined in um, Event 201? I think it was. Pandemic? I, th I think this was. I think this was. We should, like, revisit that, that podcast, be able to listen to um, listen to that episode again and do another deep dive into what they predicted was going to happen. Because social unrest is exactly what they said was going to happen. It's almost as yeah. if it is. It's almost as if... Um, it's all going according to somebody's plan. I know it sounds crazy. I, I, and I know that it does well, It does make us kind of sound like a bunch of conspiracy theorists. Well, it makes you, because I'm going to disagree with you vehemently. I think it's just the opposite. I think it's more evidence that there is no fucking plan. There's people who are out there that are just reacting. And when they're reacting, they're only reacting negatively. They're not saying we need to institute this. What they're saying is you can't do that. We need to not do that. We need to not do that. Okay, well... If we don't have guns, if, you know, regular law-abiding citizens don't have guns, because one thing that's been consistent is if you take guns away, if you create a gun control law, people who break the law are not going to follow it, right? There's no evidence to suggest that's no. ever been not the case. No, and that's, that's, that, is, that is an enormous problem. And what right. is... And what, now they're saying get rid of the police. 
you, citizens can't have firearms to protect themselves. And if you, in certain areas, if you look into it, the laws that are written go even further than that. Like in New York, if someone swings at you in a bar and then you swing back, you're as guilty of assault as they are. That is crazy. It is. You do not have a right to defend yourself in the city of New York. You really don't. One of the other things that it's not in my show notes, I was going to mention this in a future podcast. Um, there are people who are fleeing regions like New York City because of those crazy laws. The taxes are extraordinary. The cost of living is extraordinary. Your, yeah. your rights have been diminished. You're not allowed to do certain things within the New York City limits. And people have had enough and people are, are, are leaving. Now would be a really great time to check into some real estate and see if we can like actually like do the Fedora Chronicles Network <laughs> headquarters in New York City because the, the, the prices on some prime real estate is falling through the floor. It's probably still worth a couple of million dollars, but it's not worth the hundreds, the tens or the hundreds of, million do, of millions of dollars that it was worth just six months ago. And I think that I think that people are starting to wake up and sort of they're starting to snap when they're looking at all of these rules and regulations. First of all, there are so many rules and regulations. It takes a lawyer full time working in a corporation to figure out what are the rules, what are the laws. And then you have law enforcement officers or, or regulations enforcement officers who come in and they arbitrarily enforce those laws saying you have to you have to do this and you have to do that you have to rearrange your garage like this um it's it's crazy and insane if you want to run a business inside these large municipalities and i think that you're cra i think that these people are starting to wake up there there are people who are actually talking about leaving california abandoning elon musk is a perfect example elon musk is is getting ready to close up his factory and move everything to texas and start over, build another factory in Texas where the regulations aren't ridiculous. There are people- there well, are, We've had a number of businesses move into Utah for the same reason. Utah is a bus more business friendly state. So we've, it's, you know, some people are looking at it like, oh, Texas, we can go to Texas, we can go to Utah. But yeah, people are packing their crap and saying, you know what, it's gonna cost us millions of dollars, if not billions to do this, but it's damn worth it. I swear to God, half the state of the population of Utah came from California when tech companies left California and came to Utah. Wanted to just switch topics and switch gears for a couple of minutes. Uh, about a week or so ago, I did an interview with Sarah Turney and yes. uh, talking about who, Voices for Justice. Voices for Justice. And she tweet now the this, this story for people who have not heard the episode. Um, Sarah's half sister was killed by her father, allegedly. And. Her father was also planning a terrorist attack with pipe bombs, explosives, and guns. He was, he was arrested, sent to prison, served a sentence. I guess it was for somewhere between seven to 10 years, but he was never charged with the death of Alyssa Turney. And so many people had said that they're convinced there's so much evidence that proves that he did it. There's overwhelming, I, when, when I talked to Sarah, Sarah convinced me that he did it. There's no way that you can listen to Sarah Talk about what happened, all the evidence that she has found that she has uncovered and everything that she has talked about in the past couple of years that she's been doing our podcast. Now they're now they're charging their father, Sarah and Alyssa's father, for the murder of Alyssa. 
And I am so proud of Sarah for the work that she's done. Basically, she's become her own Philip Marlowe. Nice. And, That's awesome. And, if it, and I'm telling you, if it wasn't for her work and if it wasn't for her podcast, I'm, I'm, I'm not sure. I'm not sure what would happen. I don't know if the police would have pursued this and, and um, tried to close this case or if just would have let it go. And it, it just sort of makes me think that I have to sort of step, step up my game with true crime one-on-one -on, -one on the Fedora Chronicles Network. Um, and I want to do more interviews. Nice product placement there. That's well it. done. Right. And speaking of product placement, hold on a second. Oh, that's good coffee. And the reason why that's such good <laughs> coffee is that it was served to me by my youngest son in my Fedora Chronicles radio show coffee mug that you can buy for yourself at our store. Zazzle.com slash store slash Fedora Chronicles is where you can buy products like t-shirts, coffee mugs, bath towels, whatever you want with the Fedora Chronicles logo right on it. That's Zazzle.com slash store slash Fedora Chronicles. <laughs> I seriously want people to buy stuff, but I don't want to, I don't want to be obnoxious about the product placement. Yeah, too late. But I want <laughs> I want to do more interviews with people like Sarah and help bring attention to their cases because with the kind of work that I've been doing on on, on the, the True Crime podcast that we do here on the Fedora Chronicles has really radically changed the way I see the world and changed the way that I see things. Like when I was doing that interview with um um. Uh, with Jenny, Jenny Carreri, and talking about how she spends so much time trying to solve the case surrounding her sister's murder, and how she had and uncovered this vast conspiracy of incompetence within the local police department. And, like, what the hell have and I that been... That was in Baltimore, right? Yeah, that was in Baltimore. And there are so many people with similar stories. And, an, uh, uh, and another story, another thing that I wanted to sort of bring up or talk about is that there is um, somebody, there's a woman out there who is trying to solve her son's murder. And I'm not sure if it's an actual murder or it was an acc accidental death, manslaughter, I'm not sure. I'm, I'm, I'm doing my show notes, research, to get her on the podcast. But one of the things that is absolutely, totally heartbreaking is that um, this mom did an episode of a famous true crime podcast that we've talked about before on our, our podcast. And and what these two women did was basically exploit this mom's grief because it was the true, true crime flavor of the month. And they were all gung-ho into helping her. They what they like, yeah, come on the show. We'll do updates. We'd love to be able to have you on the show again. Wow, you're wonderful, terrific. We love the, your energy. We love what you're doing and full body chills when talking about this case. And this mom has an update, an important update, and these two women who are all gung-ho over their case, now that they've moved on, and there's another true crime flavor of the month, they can't be bothered. They don't want to talk to this mom anymore. And I think that, I think that that's disgusting. These, and they've already been accused of plagiarism. These two women have already been accused of plagiarism. They've already been accused of stealing other people's work and passing it off as their, as their own. I'm sure that they've probably plagiarized our work if they haven't, unless, of course, they haven't gotten to it yet. But it's, it, it's, it's, it's a true crime 
true crime to the true crime community. Does that make any sense? And yes. and I, I'm looking forward to actually getting this mom on the podcast and and talking about what these two women have done and do my best to take them down a notch or two because their their behavior is disgusting. I'm not I'm not going to mince words. Um, yeah, tell us what you really think. Um, I'm su- I'm surprised that this woman has not been fired from the radio station where she works. Where and and the thing is is that she's got the full power behind the radio station that that where she used to work, and um, they they threw their her their full support on her. They helped her become a big huge name and when she i don't think that she lost her job after it, it was discovered that she was plagiarizing other people's work she's a good looking woman don't get me wrong a very atro- yeah but that's no excuse for plagiarism and incompetence being forgiven no i just want people to know what i'm talking about because if you yeah. if you know anything about the you know the true crime podcast community you'll know exactly what i'm talking about and their behavior is is atrocious um do you want to talk? Let's see here. We're, we also wanted to talk a little bit about um, IBM's decision to lo- no longer pursue facial recognition. I think that this is this is a phenomenal story. That's a little bit of good news, and it's sort of like it's a step backwards in our march towards dystopia. I think that it's phenomenal that the the company looked at where we're going with facial recognition and said we got we got to stop this we have to pull the plug on this yeah and that's in the article that you sent me the one that's on uh, medium um there were some things in there that i didn't necessarily agree with um it's it's basically an interview with this guy albert what the hell is his name uh albert fox con um i didn't agree with everything he said um i do agree with the whole idea that having cameras everywhere so they can track when, like if you're in a city like New York, they can track from when you leave your building to the next building you go into throughout the city. They can do that. Um, and I disagree with that. And then they have the facial recognition software and it's, you know what, when you're looking at a police procedural in one of those uh, sci-fi movies, when they're literally following someone everywhere where they go, like recently I rewatched yeah. Minority Report with Tom Cruise and that was one of the things, they had these cameras everywhere. And they could do retina scans to identify who someone was. And I look at that and I'm like, that's not, that's not freedom. You know, that's, that's not freedom. And I think we're losing sight of, of what freedom is. Freedom is dangerous. Right. So now you have facial recognition software that the police are in control of. You're going to trust them on that? That's what that entire Medium article was about. He was saying that the police facial recognition software airs far too often and even though it can't be used as evidence in court it can bring forth the people like witnesses for example to testify in court so it's a, it's a key part of the chain and he's saying that it often makes mistakes you know it's it's back to that old racist thing of you know they all look alike to me kind of a thing yeah and and the truth is to raise facial recognition software Depending on the programming, it's absolutely true. There are minor variances in faces. You know, there are people out there who literally have a hard time identifying people by their face. They go by their voices. There's actually a um, there's actually a, a psychological term for it for people who cannot recognize other people's faces. Yeah, I actually you know? have, yeah, and it's fairly common. Well, I mean, it's not like super common, but you know, it's 
it's not that unusual. You can function in society with this and not even realize that you that you have that problem. And what it is is you see someone earlier in the day, you know who they are because you have a conversation with them. You recognize their clothing, but you don't necessarily recognize their face. There's other cues that you follow to identify people. And now, say one of those people is the person that witnesses the crime. Please put forward four or five faces. This person has a hard time identifying their closest friends and relatives. Now they got to pick one guy out out of four complete and total strangers. It doesn't matter if it's black, white, Asian, Hispanic, what have you, right? So what are they going to go by? How are they going to identify that person, you know? Don't know. It's an it's an interesting um, dilemma, to say the least. I was going to say something else, but I wanted to keep it just a little PG. Two, <laughs> two, two other things that I wanted to talk to you about within the next couple of minutes. One of the headlines that I had sent you... Now, keep in mind, this is for people who have actually watched the entire... Um, um, Tiger King series on Netflix. And one of the greatest controversies throughout all of this was, um, uh, I, I'm not even what you call, lion, what do you call a lion, tiger, cougar sanctuary, big cat sanctuary? There, yeah. were, there, were, there were three or four big cat sanctuaries that were featured. Obviously, there was the Tiger King. And the show basically centered around him. And then there was his competitor who lived in another part of the country, Carol Baskin. And Carol Baskin was sort of, is sort of like the crazy villain of the series, which is kind of funny because for the most part, almost everybody in, in that series is, is a villain, somebody who has exhibited some bad choices and bad behavior. And right. one of the greatest controversies throughout all of this was uh, Carol Baskin, who had a husband who was a self-made millionaire and helped finance all of Carol Baskin's... And, and Carol Baskin... Baskin is her new married name. Not sure. and, and and to be to be clear, when you say helped fund, what you're really saying is completely fund. Right. And Joe Exotic, a.k.a. the Tiger King, um used to just go on these rants about how Carol friggin' Basket killed her first husband, Don Lewis. And Don Lewis, apparently, by some some theories, got on an airplane and just disappeared. I'm not even sure if there's even a, a, a body. I'm not, I'm not exactly sure here. Right. <laughs> but the thing is, is that... Um, With all those cats, it could be just right. a snack. Exactly, and she could have fed her her husband. Carol may have fed Don Lewis his remains to some of the tigers that she has on her property. And one of the things that people were saying is that there's something wrong with the will. The will is hokey, and there's so many there are so many things in the will, all of these non sequitur statements and what like that. It sounded like it was written by a crazy person, and so many people had said somebody ought to look into the will. Because Don Lewis's daughter and his first wife are saying there's something really wrong. We, we, we knew Don Lewis. He wouldn't act like this. He wouldn't behave like this. Something's wrong. Something is definitely wrong. Maybe she killed him. Well, now, now it's official. Offic um, apparently, according to the officials, and I'm looking at it right here, um, share, I'm just from, from Variety from a couple of days ago. 
Sheriff confirms Carol Baskin's husband's will was forged. Reading the article right now. A Florida sheriff has confirmed rumors that the will of Don Lewis, the missing husband of big cat rights activist and Tiger King subject Carol Baskin, was forged. Hillsborough County Sheriff Chad Cronus... I'm, I'm not even going to pronounce this guy. Chron- <laughs> Chronicleaser spoke on the matter of on Tuesday, speaking with 10 Tampa Bay. I guess that's the channel. They called in some experts to say that the will was a forgery, and I had already told them that two months ago, they had two experts deem it 100% a forgery. Lewis went missing in 1997 and was declared dead in 2002. Fox has reported that his estate, worth up to 10 million, was left to Baskin and cut out of his own family, and cut out his own family. In May, Joseph Fritz, a lawyer and friend of Lewis, stated that he believed that Lewis's signature on the document to have been forged. While the sheriff could not confirm that it was forged, he explained how the statute of limitation leads options limited for pursuing legal action, as the will has already been executed. That's the only reason there is no excuse, he said. A judge deemed it valid. So the civil side of it, the execution of the will, and the disbursement of funds is one thing. But then you have the criminal side, which it, which is unable to prosecute. So apparently... Oh my God. Apparently, from reading this the article... The will's a forgery, but it's already been executed, so we can't do anything. Yeah. Wow. So, appar- uh, so apparently... Apparently, the will is a forgery. Now, the thing is, if the will is a forgery... You would think that would invalidate it, you would think. Yeah. Maybe it's just me, but I don't know. I'm not a lawyer, nor do I play one on a podcast, but I would think that if the will is a forgery, that gives motive. I would think so. I would think so, because who's benefiting from it being a forgery? Clearly not his kids. Not his ex-wife, his first ex-wife. Right? I mean... And that, that whole series was a shit show. Oh, but it was an entertaining, captivating shit show. Yeah, it, it was, I guess. <laughs> I I only saw, I saw three episodes. And the only reason why I saw three episodes is because everyone's like, oh, you got to watch it. After the first one, it really gets better. Oh, my God. So I yeah. watched the second one and I was like, are you fucking kidding me? Really? This is, this is better? And then they're like, no, 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 stick with it. You got to stick with it. And I'm like. You know, I, I realize I'm on quarantine and we really can't do anything, but seriously, I can I can rewatch Howard the fucking duck and get the same level of entertainment. Oh, don't get me started on Howard the Gut Duck. I will fight you on that. I will fight you on that. That uh, that that is proof positive that George Lucas must have had a a, a drug problem in the mid '80s. Um, well, I mean, the mid '80s. If anyone made more than like you know 200k, they probably were on drugs. The, the the whole issue with Joe Erotic or Joe Exotic and the Tiger King series is that if you are a true crime aficionado and you're doing a true crime podcast, you have to watch it from beginning to end to at least have a frame of reference. You have to be sort of culturally literate because this is this is the true crime that people were talking about for, for a couple of months. Crap, we're still talking about it. Speaking about still talking about it, Jeffrey Epstein. Oh, my gosh. Now, this is from the Miami Herald. And the Miami Herald has done some of the best reporting on the Jeffrey Epstein case. 
Jeffrey Epstein's grand jury records will stay sealed for now, Judge says. And this is by none other than Julie K. Brown, who we're trying to get on the podcast. But I don't think she's going to come because she's just way too busy. Um, right. Records that could reveal whether there was any wrongdoing by Palm Beach prosecutors in their handling of the Jeffrey Epstein case will remain sealed, at least for now, a judge has ruled. Palm Beach County Circuit Court Chief Justice Krista Marks dismissed portions of a lawsuit filed by Palm Beach Post that sought the release of the 2006 state grand jury probe into Epstein's sex crimes. In, Monday, in, in her Monday order, Marx concluded that the Post had no standing to demand that the state attorney, Dave Ehrenberg, or the county clerk, Sharon Brock, unsealed the documents. Rather, it should have sought a court order, which could mean that Marx, as a chief judge, could be the final arbiter of what the public will ever know and why Epstein got special treatment in Palm Beach County. Let's not forget that the prosecutors, according to Julie K. Brown and, and the documentary that we talked about last week, the prosecution worked with Jeffrey Epstein's lawyers, the defense, to craft um, the charges against him. They were, the, the prosecution was actually pandering to the defense to make sure that they weren't offended with the charges against Jeffrey Epstein. Why? And they, they wasted their time because he was still offended. Yes. And, and yeah, we, could, we can rehash this, but you know, he, he... Jay right, growled, so... Jay growled. You know he's getting angry. <laughs> All right, deep breath. Here we go. All right, this asshole would rape women, throw money at them, girls, and then call them prostitutes. Girls, girls, girls. They right. were girls. Children. They were teenage girls. He would rape children and throw money at them and call them prostitutes. And this is who the prosecution worked with. And I don't care if they, you know, he's got ties with Donald Trump. He's got ties with with Bill. Uh, Bill Clinton, he's got ties with Bill Gates, Alan Dershowitz, fucking Prince Andrew. I saw an interesting video and I wish I had sent it to you. Um, there was a guy that was talking about the case and how they are still, the FBI apparently has reached out to the United Kingdom and is like, we need to talk to Prince Andrew about his relationship, the nature of his relationship with Jeffrey Epstein. He's gone on the press and said that he doesn't know how that picture was taken or the picture was taken out of context and everything. But we've got eyewitnesses, multiple eyewitnesses placing him there. We need to have a discussion with him. It's going to be interesting to see how that goes because the UK and the US have treaties signed wherein shit like that is okay. And they have no reason to not allow that to happen unless the royal family knows for a fact that Prince Andrew is a fucking pedophile and they don't want him going down for it in an American court. But still, even then, politically speaking, they could say, yeah, sure, go ahead and talk to him. And then behind the scenes, be saying, okay, here's the deal. You don't prosecute. He turns over names. He turns over dates. He turns over everything. He fully cooperates. He leads you to other people. But we will take care of him. We will make sure that he is punished for his behavior. And then, of course, they won't. It just... <sighs> 
I mean, when Jay gets so angry, he growls. It's mostly because his daughters used to be teenage girls. Yes, yes, that is fact. I'm actually trying to get the name of the contractor who was also on the Netflix special, um, who had said that he saw things and he just like, he just, he, he had to just put it out of his mind. It's like he had to, like when he, when he saw like Prince Andrew and um, Alan Dershowitz frolicking on the beach with topless girls, he just, like, he just, it, they, they can't be underage. They have to be at least 18. He, he just, he could just couldn't because he had a teenage girl, daughter. Right. And right. He, he had a teenage daughter that was the same age. And he's like, he just could not believe that. No, no, I, and he didn't do anything. And, and to this day, he feels guilty. Like he should have done something. And that to me says that speaks volumes. Whereas oh, it's yeah. like, what, what, what are you willing to do for money? What are you willing to do, like turn a blind eye to? And I think if I remember correctly in the special, someone else that like was ferrying him back and forth said, don't you have daughters that age? And that's what made him sort of snap. Yeah, and that's what that's when he quit. That's when he quits. You know, yeah. Freaking. There are things in this world that you deal with. There are things that you put up with, and there are certain things where you have to draw a line and take a stand. A lot of people are choosing this moment with the death of George Floyd to stand up for Black Lives Matter. For me, I have four girls. I have been so lucky that none of them have been molested. But the idea yeah. that there are people like Jeffrey Epstein out there, the idea that there are people like Prince Andrew out there who not only do they do it, but they flaunt it. Yeah. And then they have the unmitigated gall to say, I'm not doing anything wrong or getting angry when they get prosecuted. I get really not nice thoughts going through my head on what I would like to do to those people. Yes. And it, 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 it's very difficult for me as a father that this has happened and watching that special and seeing those women who went through that when they were younger and then hearing their stories of how in uh, in some cases they said i don't know it directly because of that but certainly was a contribution of that that they fell into drugs they had a lot of problems very few if any of these now women went on to have very healthy relationships in their lives. I can think of two of them that they interviewed out of like, I think there was at least a half dozen that they interviewed on that show. Yeah. Top of my head, I think there was two that were actually in healthy relationships. The others were all serially divorced. They struggled. This is, this is evil. Yeah. There is no other way to describe it. <sighs> okay. Yeah. Yeah. Sorry. Things got intense there. Well, do we do we have time for a couple more topics here that we wanted to run through? Yeah, yeah, we got we all got right. Like Ten minutes. Um, okay. So uh, you also had um, an article that you had sent me about a radio burst. Yes, yet another cosmic radio burst that's very mysterious, and people don't really know what it is and what it's doing and what it's all about. And it's happening regularly. It has a cycle to it. Now, sometimes there are cosmic radio bursts that just happen. And as I understood it from the article you sent me anyway, that that is the most common one. But they have now two or three radio bursts where they will transmit for a set length of time and then go silent for a set length of time and then retransmit for a, the same length of time. 
and it's a cycle and they are predictable and they follow that cycle um yeah i wish i knew i mean it's conceivable that like stars will and like our sun for example right will on occasion send out radio bursts so it's possible it's something like that but when it happens in nature like that it's not cyclical just going to read it's this not predictable i'm just going to read this only because it's the first one that pops up when you do a an internet search for it another mysterious radio burst in space is repeating a pattern this one occurs every 157 days for the second time ever, astronomers have detected a pattern in a mysterious fast radio burst coming from space. Fast radio bursts, or FRBS, are milliseconds long bursts of radio waves in space, and astronomers have been, uh, have been able to trace some radio bur bursts back to their home galaxies. So this is just not in our galaxy. This is like from, uh, from a galaxy far, far away. They <laughs> individual radio bursts emit once but don't repeat don't repeat but repeating fast radio bursts are known to send out short energetic radio waves multiple times previous observations showed that they when they usually repeat it is sporadic or in a cluster all that changed earlier this year when astronomers found that f RB 180916.J0158 plus 65 had a pattern in bursts occurring every 16.35 days. Over the course of four days, the signals would release a birth, a burst or two each hour, then it would go silent for another 12 days. Now they have detected a pattern in a second repeating fast radio burst known as FRB 121102. During the cycle pattern, radio bursts are emitted during a 90-day window, followed by a silent period of 67 days. This pattern repeats every 157 days. Now, and we're just going to admit here, we don't know what the hell this is. <laughs> we don't know what it is we don't know what it means it may not mean anything we're completely in the dark we who knows but it seems it's it seems to have a regular pattern that you could set your clock to we're also looking at this very deep um you know it's it's a long one i might actually link to the pdf because there is there is a an article a scholarly article about this that talks about this. Do I even want to do? Do I even want to download the the PDF right now? There is, there is a lengthy scholarly paper about this, which basically says, no, we don't know what the fuck it is either. <laughs> I love it. I love it when the scientists go, hey, hey. But we're not going to say it's aliens. <laughs> it's. We know it's not aliens. We know it for is not fact. aliens. But it's what is it? <laughs> How do you know it's not aliens? <laughs> because we haven't been able to decode the signals yet. <laughs> <laughs> but we found they're not speaking English. That's 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 one thing we do know. <laughs> when scientists start sounding like the Swedish chef from from Muppets, then that's when I start giggling because I love it. People of Earth. <laughs>
We have been listening to your broadcasts and we have deciphered your primitive language. We have sent a, this message to you with... Y'all are fucked. That's, that's... Peace and love and understanding. But please, knock it the fuck off with the I Love Lucy reruns. They're getting kind of boring. And they're not funny. And Ricky Ricardo, that's racist. Ugh. You know, there's... Isn't that how Star Trek started? The Vulcans basically showed up and was like, hey, this is how you can go faster than the speed of light. Why don't you go exploring for us? Because we don't want to. No, no, they saw Zephram Cochran's warp signature from his, his ship, the Phoenix, that, were put, that was put back together from the Next Generation crew after the Borg had attacked it. After traveling hundreds of years back into time, it's very sort of, it's a great movie, but the plot is a little convoluted. It's... A little? Trekkie fans are like ripping off their clothes saying, No! It's a perfect movie! Pulling <laughs> <laughs> out their flogs and slapping themselves on the back. It's not a bad movie! Actually, no, seriously, out of all the next generation Star Trek movies, it is actually a very good one. Okay, I'm going to take your word for it. All right. I never saw The Next Generation or The Enterprise or Deep Space Nine or I don't know. You're missing out. I guess there's like three or four. You're missing out. So, no, I'm just, it's, it's, it's just not. Am I Eric? Am I really? <laughs> it's, hey, for some people, <laughs> love that stuff. Um, exactly. But um, this is a great time to sort of wrap up the episode. Um, I think that we kind of went long on, on the whole the, the police issue. But I, I yeah maybe a little bit. I I do I do think that we we are witnessing a social upheaval if we can just sort yes. of wrap this all together and I'm going to reiterate this I do think that there is this great awakening that is occurring here in the United States at least and if not the rest of the world where people are starting to look at what's going on and what the what the the oligarchs have been doing in the soft fascist state that we that we live in whereas there for the longest time there have been two sets of rules there's the rules for the elite the ruling political elite and the police and the people who enforce the rules and then the rest of us and i think that one of the reasons why you see so many people rioting taking to the streets is because of this awakening where people are starting to realize They've been screwing with us and we've had enough. We're not putting up with it anymore. People may disagree with me and that's okay. But I think that people well, are starting to wake up to the fact that we have become, it may be not a fascist state, but a soft fascist corporatist state. Uh, see, I, I, I will disagree with you there. I think we are, we are increasingly becoming a corporatist. You, know, you and I have joked in the past about our, our lawmakers being forced to wear sponsored yeah. jackets could you say that again we, yeah you, you, a corporatocracy okay we are we are becoming a corporatocracy there was um if you're familiar with cyberpunk sure am at all um that's in my opinion more closely and more accurately describing where we are right now we are on the edges of where the corporations control everything if you're disbanding the police, what's going to happen, right? If the if the state's no longer funding the police, well, what's going to happen in a capitalist society, which we do have, whether however much you want to think it's 
socialist leaning it very well is but we're still a corporate you know so it wouldn't surprise me at all if private police policing and security firms popped up and started getting hired by cities because the role still needs to be filled that role needs to be filled within society so something somewhere is going to change if we're going to do away with state-funded police then there will be private police that are going to sign contracts with cities and towns and states and who knows, maybe even the federal government. And it's that is we're on the very edge of several possible futures. We are at a crossroads in history right now. Society has decided it's had enough. It doesn't know yet what it wants and it won't know until someone steps up with some sort of offer. You don't like the police here. How about private policing? You okay with that? Because you can always fire us, you know, no longer have to worry about, you know, paying pensions to those police officers. We'll just fire their asses. Yeah. You know what I mean? Because the debt is that going to be acceptable. The very definition after doing a quick search corporatocracy is a recent term used to refer to an economic and political system controlled by corporations or corporate interests. It is, this is a form of plutocracy. Um, I, do, I don't think that that's coming. I don't, I think we're, I I don't think we're there. We're, we're close to it. You think we're there? Look at, just look at your, I mean, look at your own, and I'm going to go off on a rant here for a second. Look at what's going on in your own small towns all across the United States. Look at what's going on with the local municipalities. You have a, you have a, a small or a large business that is able to donate money to the um, campaigns for selectmen or uh, mayors or the people who run the town, the small local governments. And they want to put in, they want to put a condo complex in this, in this beautiful area, let's just say the local meadows. And they, and this is a wonderful place where everybody loves to go and picnic and recreate. And, and this, and this local corporation says, no, we want, we're going to build here no matter what. And you have 99% of the people in the town saying, no, we don't want this here. This is not what we want. In a democracy, the people would vote and say, we don't want this here. This is not in our backyard. We do not want these public lands taken by this corporation. And then they, then the, 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 the lawyers and the lobbyists and the executives, they wine and dine and, and, and treat the local leaders, you know, the, 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 the local pastors, they, they treat the, um, the local clergymen, the um, other business owners, the, the local officials elected and appointed and they're a, they're able to buy consent from these people and then they're able to get away with whatever it is that they want because they're able to buy consent sort of like what noam chomsky had talked about buying you know buying manufacturing consent they're able to buy editorials in the local papers they're able to buy um ad space on, on TVs and, and local media until people just relent and say, okay, fine, you know, build your, your, your condo complex on these meadows. We, we, we're done. We're, we're burned out. They eventually, the corporations eventually get what they want because they have infinite amount of time and infinite amount of money on their side. Almost well, that's- always they get what they want. In the, with the exception of here in Ringe, New Hampshire. 
on on the corner of Main Street and 202, Home Depot wanted to put up a an outlet here in Ringe, New Hampshire. And enough people spoke out and said, no, we don't want this here. We were able to drive them out. Um, very rarely does that happen. It, it, it does happen. But the, but the corporations will wear people down and they will buy people out. And they will eventually get what they want because we actually live in a corporatocracy. I think it's a soft no. fascist state run by the corporations. Maybe, maybe I'm mixing metaphors as I've been accused of doing in the past. Well, I would, I would argue that what you're talking about is social programming. It's the way the, basically the way the music industry works. Okay. Familiarity breeds, does not breed contempt. Familiarity breeds comfort. So think of like how many times have you heard a song on the radio that comes on? You've never heard it before. You listen to it. You're like, eh, I don't really like it. But then you hear it again and 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 you start humming along with it because you've heard it so many times. Then you start you know all the words even though you don't particularly like the song. That is how it works. You see so much advertising and that's that's why, you know, like presidential candidates and political candidates buy so much advertising in an area just before the election because the name becomes familiar to them. You know, and it's all um, I don't think we're in my mind when I think of corporatocracy, I think there's not so much of it hidden in the shadows. I think a corporatocracy just basically says, welcome to Washington, sponsored by Microsoft. Yeah. You know, when you cross the border, that's what I think of when I think of a corporatocracy. Yeah. You know, and really what we're in is more like a corporate hegemony where a hegemony is more of a influence, spheres of influence rather than outright control. And I think that's where we are. Corporations, ha corporations have far too much influence within our politics and really in our lives right now. It's not getting to the point where, I mean, corporate espionage is illegal, but it's not at the point yet where corporations can just, a corporate security person can't, you know, flash their ID at a cop and say, okay, you you know, and then get out of jail free. We're not quite at that level yet, which is what I imagine when I think of corporatocracy. But I don't think we're far from it either. You know, like you said, every area has their, well, they're the they're the number one um, employer in the state, the city, the county, whatever. So they have a lot of influence. And the office of that corporation are going to have more influence with law enforcement, with politics, than the average Joe Schmuckatelli who lives down the street. So I think we're on the verge of that. We're, we're definitely, we're in the prequel of a great novel. Right. Whether it's a cyberpunk novel or a dystopian novel, I have no fucking idea. But this is the part of the novel where the author's explaining to the reader how everything either went to shit or how the world went from what you know to what it is now. We're on the edge of that. We've got SpaceX launching astronauts into space. A private company is launching astronauts into space. Our government isn't. No, not anymore. Well, with, they're contracting other corporations to do it. Right. But still, corporations are doing it. They're the ones doing the work. Right. Who's to say that that model won't work with law enforcement, too? It's probably going to be tried in some cities. It's, well, I it's, imagine Seattle is going to be the poster child for it, which is ironic if you've ever played the game Shadowrun. <laughs> I think I think that what's going to happen is is that you're going to have your local police forces brought to you by Starbucks and Amazon right. and Microsoft and GE right. bringing good things to life. Exactly. That's exactly it. And I don't know, I sometimes 
I look at what's going on and I can tell something's coming. Right. There's going to be some sort of big societal change. You can see it like all over the world, what's going on. There are riot. There were riots in Paris over the death of George Floyd. Yeah. In another fucking country. Yeah. There were riots. Yeah. Why? Why? What does Paris have to do what happened in fucking Minneapolis, Minnesota? Minneapolis is not what I would consider an international city, but it is now. Well, but you know, when you think no, of international I, cities, you think London, Tokyo, you know, um, New York, L.A., maybe Chicago. You know, these are cities that have international recognition. Minneapolis, Minnesota, and pretty much the average Parisian on the street was going, what is this Minnesota? Where, where, where is this? What do I care? <laughs> no, Jake. I, no, Jay. Um, I, I, I think that there has been an awakening and people are starting to snap looking at what's going on in the body politic of the entire Western world. And I think that people are, I think that people saw the video of this man being killed on video and people are saying, oh my, oh my God, it's finally here. You know, dystopia is finally here. We have got to do something to put an end to it. I don't, does that, I don't, does that mean yeah. we're on the verge of a world government? Does that mean we're on the verge of dissol dissolving all of the governments in the world? What does, what, what does it mean? I think, first of all, I, I think that I think that you're a fool to actually think that you can second guess the oligarchs and what's going to happen next. I think that you're a fool to try and second guess the mob mentality and what is making people angry and lash out. And I think that on, only a fool can predict this is what this is what the world's going to look like in 12 years. I think that there is so much chaos. Everything is all unpredictable. It's a fascinating time to have a podcast. <laughs> you're never short as on material. Long as it lasts, you're short. Right? You're never short on material. Right? Oh my gosh! Yeah. Wow. I I think I think that people have had enough. I I honestly do. I think that something has changed. I think and I do think that I think that the social upheaval that we're seeing right now is the start of something that cannot be. It cannot be ended quietly i don't think it's just going to go away i would be disappointed if it did every if everything just up and you know if next week like you don't you don't hear the protests anymore the protests stop i think that i just think that this this is this is now a, a runaway freight train that can't be stopped yeah it's going to be interesting to see where where we are when the when it does because it will stop at some point yeah even Snowpiercer had to stop at some point, but <laughs> it's going to be. I think Snow. It's going to be interesting. I think Snowpiercer is. I think I. I don't think that you can take Snowpiercer literal. I think that Snowpiercer is is, is a metaphor for something else. But I, it's been a while since I've seen the movie. I'm, I'm just glad they finally came out with a sequel to Charlie and the Chocolate Factory. That's. <laughs> and on a brief aside, I don't acknowledge the the Tim Burton Johnny Depp a, a remake of that. I don't acknowledge it. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> even though it was technically closer to the books, it's no. Yeah. Gene Wilder is and always shall be um, <laughs> from Charlie and the Chocolate Factory. Willy, Willy Wonka. Willy Wonka. That's who it is. Ah, oh, damn it! I gotta go to work. Yeah, Jay. Thank you for another great show. We went thank long. Thank you, sir. Yeah. Congratulations on surviving another episode of the Thor Chronicles radio show. Find out more about the Fedora Chronicles by visiting our website, thefedorachronicles.com. That's where you can find our show notes, past episodes, and articles. Follow us on Twitter, 
Facebook, Instagram by simply searching for us on those platforms. Don't forget to join our group on Facebook and follow us on Twitter so that you can keep up with what we will be talking about in the next episode. Facebook, Twitter, and our email address, fedorachronicle at google.com, are great ways to drop us a line with your comments and show topic suggestions. And if it's any good, we promise we will read your comment on the air. Support the show by contributing to our Patreon page, patreon.com slash fedorachronicles. For a mere dollar a month, you get early access to the podcast, updates on what we're doing, and for $5 a month, you get all that and a t-shirt and coffee mug of your choice. Terms and conditions apply. Thank you to all of our listeners who are already contributing. You can also support the show and show off your incredible, impeccable taste by buying our merch at zazzle.com slash store slash Fedora Chronicles. The theme songs for the show are Royal Flush and Black Cabaret by Olive Music. All other music on the show is listed on the show page and has been provided to us by Premium Beats from Shutterstock. Copyright The Fedora Chronicles 2020, all rights reserved. On behalf of my co-host Jason and I, this is Eric Renderking Fisk signing off and reminding you to keep your chins up and your fedoras on. <laughs>